0: I don't know why this mic, like, it just keeps dropping. (laughs) Need microphone, Viagra. This is Political Breakdown from KQED in San Francisco. I'm Scott Schaefer. It's our Friday roundtable with KQED's politics team. This week, Trump's big win in New Hampshire doesn't stop Nikki Haley, at least not yet, with a possible last stand in her home state of South Carolina looming.
1: South Carolina voters don't want a coronation. They want an election. And we're gonna give them one.
0: Also, the Veep stumps in California, Kamala Harris, keeping abortion rights at the top of Democrats' agenda across the country. All right. And here to talk about all that and a whole lot more, KQD's politics correspondents, Marisa Lagos and Guy Marzorati. Hey there. Happy Friday. Happy Happy Friday. Friday. Well, we got a little bit of clarity this week uh, in the presidential race. Uh, Donald Trump, as expected, uh, really doing well, uh, coming about 11 points ahead of Nikki Haley. And you got to figure if she can't win there with all those independents, it's going to be a rough road for her. But, you know, Marisa, she's not dropping out. Why do you think she's sticking around?
1: I don't know. It's like she kind of passed this Rubicon a, a, in the last week. I mean, we had seen her short of sharpening some of her attacks on Trump. Um, but it does seem and I, I, don't, I can't I'm not in Nikki Haley's head, unfortunately, but it seems like. Donald unlike Trump DeS- is, <laughs> Yeah. Well, or vice versa. They I mean, both, I think yeah. she's she's definitely <laughs> living in his head. Um, you know, I think we saw DeSantis sort of doing what Trump wanted, quickly falling in line, endorsing him. I think. Haley might just feel like she's gone too far already. And like she, I think, sees that she's getting under his skin and seems to be enjoying it.
0: Yeah. Well, and Guy, I think uh, Liz Cheney apparently made a call to her urging her to stay in through uh, Super Tuesday. But like in terms of, you know, if she's she's not going to be on the ticket. I think that's clear. Uh, and looking ahead to 2028. But maybe she just maybe she really believes <laughs> that it's important to stay in.
2: Well, what's really interesting is that I think on the Democratic side, there's more of an urgency or a wish that, she gets out and this becomes a, a really like a general election starts right now. I mean, that's what you heard from, you know, the Biden campaign on Tuesday night. That's what you heard from Kamala Harris when she spoke to state lawmakers in Sacramento saying, like, we're ready to frame this as Biden and Trump in the general election based off of the view that the earlier that you can get voters Fearing a new, another Trump presidency, the more you can kind of get those Democrats uh, out. So it's almost like you have the Democrats really wanting to kind of move on to the general election, even though some Republicans within the party have tried to, through kind of technical means, present Trump as the presumptive nominee. He kind of pushed back on that uh, this week. But I think for all intents and purposes, the general election Is underway.
1: I mean, I might push back. I think publicly they may be saying that, but I don't think they. I mean, if you look at the difference in the tenor between how Trump sort of reacted in Iowa, where he tried to have a very traditional speech that evening and really did, you know, kind of like keep it mellow and then lashing out in new hampshire i would imagine behind the scenes the biden harris people are like go nikki go right because that is the chaos that they want to remind people of so it's almost like on the democratic side as long as she stays in they can have their cake and eat it too it's clear she's not going to get the nomination but
2: yeah she's there i think kind of as a legal security blanketing you know in case things work out a certain way in, in trump's trials um I think, look, at the end of the day, the Biden campaign is viewing Trump as the only candidate that the president can yeah. beat. I yeah. think that's fair to say. Well, it was kind of ironic that when yeah, they don't
1: DeS- want her to be the nominee. When, yeah. But
2: when remember when
0: DeSantis and Governor Newsom debated uh, a few weeks ago, he was you know he was taunting DeSantis. saying, Why don't you just drop out now to give Nikki Haley a chance to get the nomination? But, you know, in Democrats heart of hearts, I don't think that's really what they want. There wasn't a lot of attention on the Democratic side. Of course, New Hampshire was removed from the official list of primary states. But Biden uh, won. He got 64 percent of the vote with write-ins, beating Dean Pretty Phillips. Impressive, Pretty impressive, actually. I
3: mean,
1: I was not expecting 64 percent, essentially. Yeah,
0: well, and they, I think they were looking to compare it with LBJ. You know, in 1968, he got, I think, 54 percent of the vote. He won, but it was such a low number that he dropped out. Rocana, uh, among those in New Hampshire, stumping for the president, urging uh, a write-in vote. Uh, what's he up to, guy?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's been barnstorming around the state, and as we've seen, many Californians kind of going out and making the case for the president. Governor Gavin Newsom heading to South Carolina uh, to do the same, and I think you look the the party, the Biden campaign is really tapping these Californians who have an ability to speak to the base. Of the party uh, and trying to get out that enthusiasm for for President Biden. Connor was a Bernie person. Right, this isn't who will
1: be calling come September, right, well, in a know. state like that. I mean, not Depends
2: on may, where. Yeah, Maybe may, Michigan or who knows where. Yeah, but I, I do think someone like Newsom has the ability to speak on issues, you know, like he's run in the past year on abortion in ways that the president is not always comfortable with, and the way Newsom is always willing to kind of be the attack dog, um, I, I think th- you might in see them as well, yeah. for the, for That's the next That's true, yeah, year.
1: because it's true. I mean, there's two separate things here. I think there's the base that you want, those sort of traditional, more progressive Democrats, you know, from California trying to get out there, and, and people, you know, younger people, people who might be more excited by bringing the fight, and then you got Biden and Harris who can kind of go talk to the middle.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about uh, what Newsom was doing in South Carolina, but you know, Rokana is also, you know, people always wonder what's Newsom up to? What's he doing? Does he want to run for president? And you know, Rokana has had his own ambitions. He was the last Democrat to endorse Alex Padilla a couple of years ago. There was thought he might jump into the Senate race. There aren't a lot of places now and you look up the ladder for him to go. And there you know, there's been talk that he might run for president one day. Who knows?
1: Yeah, or I mean, maybe I I mean, I don't know. The guy's only 47, which in politics is like...
2: Yeah. I mean, all this, I think that's highly likely given the way in which he's operated in the House. He's a constant fixture, not only on the kind of MSNBC Democratic circuit, but he's someone who... We'll go on Fox News. We'll try to, you know, work with Republicans. Well, remember his whole, like,
1: ethanol kind of tour of the Midwest states and really Went going. to
2: Appalachia Yeah, as well. I mean,
1: Appalachia talking about things like bringing technology and Green AI jobs. and jobs to those. So he's, he's checking
2: a lot of boxes as to someone who would run for president yeah, in the future. Well, Let's say that. And, in the, and meanwhile, as we said,
0: Gavin Newsom was in South Speaking Carolina. Of. Yeah, I mean, he was there. And, you know, there is that question, I think, about Gavin Newsom is how relatable is he in a place like South Carolina or Georgia? Uh, he was talking with black voters and rural voters. Uh, Chris Catalago did a nice piece in Politico. Uh, And I have to say... The top
1: quote? Oh, my God, as we say in the South, that's a nice glass of tea from a female Well, I
0: I think it does go to show you... I mean, I was thinking of John F. Kennedy when I read that. Like, you know, good looks goes... eh, It takes you a certain distance, but, you know, whether it'll take them all the way, we'll see. Um, But I think, you know, one piece in that article also is that one of the the high school coach, I think, asked his players like, what do you want to ask Gavin Newsom, huh? And he asked a question about Snoop Dogg. Like, you, what, you know, what's your relationship with Snoop Dogg? And Newsom pulls up a text between him and Snoop where he was reaching out to him and guy that, you know. That's, yeah, that's something I can't mean, see Joe
2: Biden doing. No, that. I think he would have been talking about Snoopy on the roof or something like that. I, <laughs> I, I you know, I do think we, we can't look past the kind of one for me, one for you aspect of that, mm-hmm. too. You know, I'm sure these Democrats are want to present the image as team players, but there's a lot of self-serving going him. to this. It's you know, you're going out and at least putting yourself in front of not only I mean, I think voters is one thing. I think really building relationships with The party apparatus in a lot of these states is important, given that at least, you know, this year, and we'll see into the future what kind of leading role South Carolina can play in Democratic primaries. Yeah, and I
0: think, you know, in some ways, maybe it's a blessing for Newsom. Obviously, he does want to be president one day. But, you know, if you think back to 2004, he was mayor. He started giving marriage licenses to same-sex couples. Dianne Feinstein that year blamed him for John Kerry losing Ohio. You know, you fast forward a few years, he looked pretty prescient. You know, he was ahead of the curve. And you gotta think there's some things that maybe right now are a little too liberal for certain parts of the country but you know 2028 who
1: knows? Absolutely. And he is trying to burnish those credentials. We've seen him push back on very sort of liberal proposals here in California, I think, as a way to burnish that. I just, I, I've got to say, apparently Marshawn Lynch introduced him to yes, 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 just yes. to drop some other celebrity names. Yeah,
0: former yeah. running back for the Buffalo Bills and I think the Oakland Raiders, Raiders guy, yeah, yep. Seahawks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, he's Seahawks. A, yeah, he's connected
1: in SAC. Yeah.
0: All right, we're going to come back in a minute. And when we do, we're going to talk about Kamala Harris being in California, in Los Angeles, and in LA and Monday in San. San Jose. You're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED. We'll be right back.
1: Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine.
0: And welcome back to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer here with my colleagues on the KQED Politics Desk, politics correspondents Guy Marzorati and Marisa Lagos. Well, also in California this week, folks. Uh Kamala Harris, the vice president. She lives in L.A. She was down there on Wednesday, came up to Sacramento yesterday, met with the Democratic caucus, kind of a rah-rah, you know, these are people that she needs to, you know, kind of mobilize uh, to help raise money for the Biden-Harris ticket. Um, And and again, you see the kinds of places she can go, Guy, to... Where she's going to be effective. She's not effective in front of every group, but this is she
2: knows these folks and they appreciate her being there. Right. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about what impact can vice presidents make and the limits of that office. I think in a lot of cases, flip it in reverse. What are the good positions that an administration can put a vice president into? And I think we can agree. A lot of the situations that the Biden administration put Kamala Harris into negotiating, uh, you know, the affairs in Central American countries, something like that. Not a great fit. This is a great fit because abortion is the Democrats' best issue. It has been since the Dobbs decision. It's what brings together The voters across a really wide tent party, whether you're talking about, you know, progressive base, suburban voters, this is something that get people out. And it's something that Harris, I think, is positioned to talk to someone who can go out and Mm -hmm. kind of make the case to Democratic voters at the at the same time where, you know, Trump is likely going to enter this campaign trying to downplay the issue, trying to say, look, I, I did. I put these judges on the court. They made the Dobbs decision. It's settled. I think Harris is in a really unique position to make the case that, like, look, this is something that should energize Democrats in a lot of states, and there are opportunities. This is going to be on the ballot, as in, in whether it's a you know ballot measures in a lot of really key states. Yeah, you Arizona, saw Florida recently signatures gathered to put that on the ballot. Arizona potentially, even Wisconsin perhaps. So I think this is an issue like no other where Democrats feel like we can get people out to vote. Is
0: there any downside, Marisa? Do you think to elevating? Uh, You know, abortion as an issue? I mean, obviously, it does help in a lot of places. I wonder if there are some places, I don't know, Georgia, for example, where maybe it's not so great.
1: I don't know. I mean, I really feel like we've seen a sea change on this issue. I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with our messaging experts, Democrats, who really study this. And I think that after years of being very scared of this issue, because to Guy's point, it's not just Democrats that are scared about this. I mean, we've seen, you know, and and I think it's going to, you know, we saw a report this week estimating how many rape victims may have not been able to access reproductive health care because of these bans in these types of states. It was tens of thousands. Um, Obviously, it's an estimate, but, you know, I think that type of thing really drives this home. We're seeing more and more stories of individual women who either suffer health consequences, have these legal battles going on. Um, And so, I think to Guy's point, I mean, this is an issue that is such a comfortable place for Harris. And again, I think like if you watch how she, you know, came on The View not not too long ago talking about it, I do think there's some opportunity to kind of cross party lines. Also,
2: I'll say this, you know, I'll be there Monday in San Jose when she's going to be speaking. Uh, One thing I'll be listening for that she's done a really masterful job of and Democrats have writ large is making abortion an argument that fits into a larger argument about rights and about the Republican Party being a party that's attacking and and threatening and taking away rights. Right, where it gets beyond just the kind of, uh, you know, medical decision-making. It it fits into a larger narrative. um, And I think she did a good job of that At the beginning of this tour, and I'll be listening for that. Yeah, if you take away
0: one right, you're going to take away other rights potentially with the Supreme Court. Um, And you know, I think for younger voters too, especially women, uh, this could be a a key. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of younger voters that are unhappy with Biden uh, right now over climate change, there was ceasefire, people calling for a ceasefire, interrupted some of her comments. So this might be something as the election gets closer, Marisa, that uh, will help focus.
2: Younger women, especially, but suburban women generally. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah, i okay. also just add, you know, Equus uh, Labs does a really good job of tracking Latino voters across the country. And when they did a deep dive into 2022, they found that abortion was the issue that brought out younger and first-time Latino voters on the Democratic side. I think that's something the party will be looking to again in 2024.
0: One other interesting dynamic up in Sacramento, uh, you know, Kamala Harris was, was introduced by uh, the Senate president pro tem, Tony Atkins, who's going to be running for governor. She went then to uh, Eleni Elaine Kunalakis' house who she hosted a lieutenant governor, hosted a fundraiser for Biden Harris, raised apparently hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's down the road. I mean, as Tony Atkins said, this is not the day to talk about the governor's race, but you know, Kamala Harris may have an interest in, in you know, who the next governor is in California, could certainly lend a hand.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that this is I would read less into what Kamala thinks about Eleni Kunalakis and more about what Eleni Kunalakis is trying to do for the Democratic Party and sort of ingratiate herself, you know, to not just the Biden administration, but that sort of broader donor class. Um, Although,
0: you know, loyalty matters. And apparently she lobbied uh, Kounalakis did lobbied Biden or the Biden people to put her on the ticket. You know, I'm sure a lot of people claim credit for that now. But uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not it's it's like the these are the sort of behind the scene machinations that, uh, you know, love it or hate it, like are what it, what are party politics. Um, but I think for Harris, like. Sure. She'll have an opinion. I think, you know, they got to live to fight another day. They got to get through this election because she doesn't have a job if they don't get reelected. Maybe she'll be looking at that governor's race. You well, know. I, yeah.
0: You know, I was thinking about that because there has been have been rumors like, oh, maybe if Biden loses, she'll run for governor. I just don't see that. First of all, there's already three women running. There's rumors Lafonza Butler may run. Um, I just don't I just don't see that. You know, I remember, you know, I know that uh, Dick Nixon tried it in 1962. It didn't work out so well, although he did become president later. Um, we're heading uh, toward the end, but a couple other things I want to talk about. Uh, first of all, Scott Wiener, Senator Scott Weiner, uh, announced this week that he's going to introduce a bill that would put what are called car governors into require them in all cars and trucks made after 2027, and it would basically prevent those vehicles from going more than 10 miles an hour above that speed limit. Uh, this, to me, seems like red meat for Fox News. Yes, you know, the, yeah, Nanny the, state, and I can't, I can't imagine Gavin Newsom like signing something like that.
1: Well, let's go back. In the last few weeks, you know, Newsom has poured cold water on what? A millionaire's tax, um, the football uh, tackle football ban uh, for youth. So I think this governor is not going to be open to <laughs> something like that would be my guess um, I think you know knowing Scott Weiner, I'm sure this is coming from a very sort of well researched policy point of view um, but I do think you have to look at the broader politics and it does feel like in this moment again back to Newsom and his sort of aspirations what we see him doing when he goes to places like South Carolina is trying to kind of underplay that ultra liberal yeah. you know, uh, uh, record script. and talk about the things or think, talk about things like gay marriage that seemed very out out there 20 years ago and now we're very mainstream.
2: I mean, to Marisa's point, there is a problem here that Weiner is addressing. The amount of traffic deaths, the the rate that they've increased in the last 10-15 years is a problem. I just wonder have cars become increasingly faster in the last 15 years, or are people holding their phones while more they're driving more driving. in the last 10 to 15 and, years? And I will say uh, on the legislative piece of this, Robert Rivas, this is another test. You know, He he came in as speaker with this uh, idea, I'm going to let kind of all flowers bloom. Everyone gets a hearing. All bills will be given kind of a chance. You do run the political risk with some of these bills that they just get more attention than they might deserve or that might you might yeah. politically want them to get. Well, that wealth tax got a hearing and promptly died for lack of exactly one and done but you know this is another example of that where this you know this this could end up getting a hearing uh in certainly in the senate will be on fox news (laughs) it
3: it already has been
0: uh last thing before we say goodbye here uh it is uh the championship game for the nfc conference this weekend uh the 49ers hoping to beat the detroit lions and uh, one of the congressional candidates peter dixon a, a marine veteran is bought Some time to put an ad on. He's really not one of the what you would consider one of the front
2: runners, but he'll have a lot of eyeballs. Well, this really caught my eye. So Peter Dixon, former Marine tech entrepreneur running for Congress in the South Bay and the SU seat. He bought a ten thousand dollar ad. Now, most political ads, you're buying it on the nightly news. It's a couple hundred dollars. He's spending $10,000 for a 30-second ad during the Niners-Lions game. And so you might ask, like, why is he doing that? He's in one congressional seat. This game is airing on KTVU all across Northern California. The vast majority of people who will see this ad can't even vote in that district. Two reasons. Number one, we know football gets ratings like nothing else.
1: And you have to watch the ads. The second and we're piece of about this, it right now.
2: But the second piece of this is what Marisa just said: the DVR ability. When Marisa and I are watching Housewives, we're skipping through the ads. Okay. Wait, wait what? <laughs> That's for another podcast. Other podcast. <laughs> but a football game, you're watching it live, so you're really. I mean, I've talked to political strategists about this with this question: Why buy an ad of this size for such a small district? In, in such a large price it's the fact that sports is something we still watch live and he's banking on that with this ad yeah that's true all right well go Niners Thank you both, Marisa
0: Lagos and uh, Guy Marzorati. Have a great weekend. You too. Have a great weekend. And that is a wrap for Friday, January 26th. Political Breakdown is a production of KQED. Our engineer is Christopher Beal. Our producer is Izzy Bloom. Our team includes Marisa Lagos, Guy Marzorati, Molly Solomon, Otis R. Taylor Jr., and Ethan toven Lindsay. I'm Scott Schaefer. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend.
3: behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.